we're in a mini-series here. It's, it's called Seeds. And Father, we just thank you for this series. We thank you for your word, uh, that your word is always true, no matter how we feel, no matter what our circumstances, that your word is true. I pray that you get my opinion out of the equation today. I pray that uh, only what you have me to say, Holy Spirit, what you want me to say, will come through loud and clear. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we, as we open up this series, I want you to open up your Bibles to Genesis, and it'll be the first chapter, and I've got a few scriptures. We're going to weave through Genesis briefly, because I want to lay some foundation, but here's the opening question. How do we get great outcomes in life? And here's the second question. Is this life all there is? No, we know the answer to that. But the question is, what is the symbiotic relationship between eternity when we pass on and we're with Jesus in eternity versus the here and the now? Because I think sometimes, if you're like me, I get caught up in the here and the now and I forget about eternity. The problems, right? On the flip side is, sometimes people get so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. You get what I'm saying? The question is, what is the symbiosis there between the two? How do we get great outcomes, not only in eternity, storing up treasures in heaven, how do we get great outcomes here? And so, the, the foundation that I want to talk to you about when it comes to seeds, uh, is, is I, as I envision this series, a lot of times people, when they hear the word seeds, they immediately think offering, have a need, sow a seed, Right? But here's what I would challenge. It's not just about offerings. It's about the kingdom of God. And laying foundation that will last for eternity. So I want, I want you to understand kind of how God weaves all this together. I want you to turn to Genesis 1, verse 26. Now, as you're turning, I want to lay down two stories both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, because there's a principle that, that God lays down in this. In the Old Testament, 2 Kings 4, you can write that down in your notes. I'm not going to turn to it. But 2 Kings 4, we hear about Elisha and a widow. And it, they're in drought. They're in famine. It's worse conditions than we have outside today. Uh, they're in a financial famine. She's destitute. And Elisha comes to her and says, you know, what can I do for you? And, and she says, I have absolutely nothing. And he says, well, why don't you take some oil? She, all she has is just this little bit of oil left. She just has a little bit of oil. And one of the things that, uh, that the man of God says is, is that go out and get some pots, get a lot of pots, pour that oil out, and you'll have provision of lots of oil. Why was that important? Because the oil could be sold so she could eat. So go out and get some pots, okay? There's a principle in that that I'll explore later. Uh, what she does is she goes out and gets pots and then more and more oils put in the pots and she, it happens exactly as the man of God envisioned it. And I'll explain what she did in just a second. Then we go to the New Testament and we see this little boy with a few fishes and loaves brings it to Jesus and all of a sudden the masses are fed. Both cases had a substance. There was a point of activation. The substance was the oil. The substance was the fishes and loaves, right? That was the provision in the here and the now. The thing I see in both is it was just a little. Just a little bit of oil, just a few fishes and loaves. And somehow God took a little and turned it into a lot. The point of your lack isn't the fact that you're in lack. The point is that there is no lack with Jesus. 
and he can get your outcome that you want with just a little. What I want to smash today is, with just a little is this. I don't ever want to hear any of you say ever again, all I have is a little. You have the backing of Jesus Christ Almighty to bring everything you need and then some to advance the kingdom of God. This message on seeds is not a, this isn't some hyped up thing to try to, to try to, one of my personal pet peeves is I'll turn on Christian TV and they'll say for $39.95, if you sow this seed within the next 35 seconds, and it has to be in the next 35 seconds, you'll get a thousandfold return. How many know that's hogwash? What I want to talk to you about is systems of seed sowing. And it's not a finance message. I want to be very, very clear. Finances are a part of it. This is about systems. So God sets up systems. And I want to read this in Genesis 1. I've given you the foundation. Genesis 1 verse 26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. That means you, creeps. There's no creeps in here. So, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, see, I have given you every herb that yields what? I'm sorry, what was that again? Seed, which is on the face of all the earth and every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you it shall be with food, for food. So real quickly, here's what it is. It's a partnership. God has given, at this point, Adam dominion over all of the earth. His, he has authority. He says, I want you to go and plant stuff. Now, here's the thing you got to remember. The sneaky snake, Satan, has not entered the picture yet. So my thought was, okay, he wants dominion over the earth, but right now there's no curse in the earth yet. There's no sin that's entered the earth yet. So we skip down, and we go to Genesis 2, verse 15. Skip down to Genesis 2, verse 15. It says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. So again, there's been no fall. Adam hasn't eaten the forbidden fruit yet, and he hasn't blamed Eve yet. That woman made me do it, and all that stuff hasn't happened yet. So think about this. What is God asking him to do? To extend the borders of Eden, right? How does he do that? Plant seed. You get in this principle. Sow a seed and extend the borders of Eden. Then he says, tend it and keep it. That means, Adam, you have to keep the snakes out of the garden. How many know there was already a snake in the garden? So the enemy was there. Satan was there. There has not been a fall yet. Then, then what happens is, then what happens is in Genesis 2.19, skip down to Genesis 2.19, it says, out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. Here's another principle. We're talking about partnership. God does something, you do something. Adam, you can't make the animals, but I've given you dominion to name them. You have authority, Adam. I expect you to use it. But God, aren't you going to do it all? No, I've given you authority. Are you, are you with me on this? Okay? Now, we get to the fall. 
Now Adam has given up his divine, his, 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 God has given privileges to him, given authority to him, and then when the sneaky snake comes in and all, you know what, breaks loose and he loses all of his authority, at that point Adam and Eve, at that point, have lost their, their, their right to rule and reign in the garden. See, God wanted them to rule and reign the earth. God was in charge, but he gave them authority. What God has established from the very beginning is systems and structures and order and process. When Adam and Eve messed up, it messed up everything. The curse then was released in the earth. When that happened, who had the authority? Not Adam and Eve. Who had the authority? The devil did on earth. God was still in control, but Adam legally gave his right to rule and reign to the enemy. And for many, many years, until the cross of Jesus Christ, he was ruling and reigning. You say, well, golly, I still see that in the Bible it says that the enemy is the prince of the power of the air and he's the god of this world. He's limited. How many know that? The cross of Jesus Christ, it said, when he was resurrected, he disarmed the principalities and the powers of this air. Satan is defeated. You know what we got at the cross? Not only we get eternal salvation, we got our authority back as a Christ follower. Are you with me? You mean to tell me that we can rule and reign? Yes. With God's word. And that's an important part. So Genesis 3, here's the foundational, and this just hit me. I've read this verse a thousand times. Genesis 3.15 says this. It says, And I, meaning God, will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed, devil, and her capitalized seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Are you seeing that Jesus Christ is a seed? In the Bible, it says that Jesus, in the beginning, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Then Jesus comes along on the scene, fully God, fully man, and says that the seed is the word of God. So let me just connect the dots. Jesus is the living word. He was the seed. Genesis 3.15. So what you're saying is if you plant Jesus into any, any situation, which is the word of God, what will you yield? A harvest of the word of God. That's how you get your dominion back. Are you, are you with me on this? This is important because that means that we are constantly sowing seeds. God has set up structures and processes for us to rule and reign. He isn't asking us to live for divine miracles. He wants you to live in divine health. He, divine healing is there, but how about divine health is better, right? Lord, I need a financial miracle. He can do that, but perhaps financial healing and financial health is better. So what I'm asking you when I asked you about, finance, about outcomes is we have the promise. I talked about this a couple weeks ago. We have a promise from God in this word. We have the provision here. In between is the problem. That's your test. A couple weeks ago, I said that your Isaacs, some of you need to lay down your Isaacs, whatever those things are. They can be idols. And that's part of the equation. You have to lay down anything that comes between you and God is an idol, Right? You have to lay that down. Here's the other part of that equation, and, and, and this is what God was birthing in me. The other part of that is, is that he builds systems. All throughout Scripture, everything, order, 
all throughout Scripture, you see systems of the kingdom of God being established. I mean, let's put it in a practical sense. You have to have order in a business, right? You have to have order in a government, right? We see what happens when government gets disorderly, right? We see what happens when uh, family systems uh, get out of order. The, The antidote is God's word and sowing the seed of God's word into the situation. The provision will come. God will put his super on your natural. The question is, what kind of seed are you planting? And this isn't just in the financial arena. This is in every arena. Okay? And I'm going to give some examples of some areas. For instance, the wilderness of the children of Israel were in the wilderness. They were in the wilderness for 40 years. We often, you know, chuckle at them and go, golly, you know, why don't they just get it? You know, why can't they just listen to God and obey? But no, they, they, they lived on manna and quail for 40 years. Can you imagine? Okay, they're, they're delivered from Egypt. They've been slaves to the Egyptians. God delivers them out of Egypt. And here they are in the wilderness. And then tomorrow on the menu, hey, uh, Moses, what's on the menu? Manna and quail. Week goes by, hey, Moses, what's on the menu? Manna and quail. What about next week? Manna and quail. Can I be completely transparent with you? I would be just like the Israelites saying, Lord, get me out of manna and quail. If I never see a quail again, I never want to see a quail again. What can I do to not have that? Thank you for the provision of it, but I'm ready for something better. Amen? How do we do that? It's interesting, when they crossed the Jordan, they began to obey and plant what God asked them to do when they began living on God's word instead of their own opinions and their own mindsets and every man just for themselves. When they began to live as God asked them to live, this is a very simple principle. They crossed over the Jordan River and immediately they started planting. No more manna and quail. The manna and quail ceased the moment they took the promised land and started planting seed. They started irrigating crops. This is an absolute foundational truth for so many of you because I believe there are people in this room and even your pastor that is asking God for supernatural, divine, spectacular intervention on a key area of their lives and all God's saying is, I've provided it 2,000 years ago on the cross. Now plant some seeds, Kibby. Plant some seeds. Well, God, that's hard. Because that means I have to tend it, and I have to cultivate it, and I have to water it. And that's not always easy. So, Genesis 6, verse 7. Excuse me, Galatians 6, verse 7. I'm going to read out of the Phillips New Testament. This is a a, a translation. We don't often use it, but I I love the way it says it. it. It says, do not be under any illusion. You can't make a fool of God. A man's harvest in life will depend entirely on what he sows. Uh, we've heard that reaping and sowing principle for years. So here's, here's the thing I want to I encourage you on. If you show yourself friendly to people, do you know what the Bible says when you plant that seed of friendliness? You receive friends. Isn't that amazing? Wow. Astonishing. The Bible says you refresh others, you'll be refreshed. That means if you sow kindness, do you know that you'll reap that? And it's often not from the person that you sow it to, but it might be three or four other people that God sends your way to encourage you in a moment of trial or whatever. If you sow 
uh, a financial seed and do it God's way, God says give and it'll be given back in full measure, we have to wrap our minds around the fact that it's not that, it's not that we do this under law and that, you know, well, uh, you know, we're under the law. No, we do it under grace. Jesus, let me say it again, Jesus is the seed. The seed is the word of God. Man lives by every word of God. So what Jesus says, we need to speak, we need to do, we need to plant. A man's harvest in life depends entirely on what he sows. The opposite is true. If you sow a seed of gossip, if you constantly, you know, not one or two times, we all slip, we're all human, but I'm talking, I mean, it's amazing. If you're a closed fist, it's hard to open, right? And people pick up on that. You're sowing a constant seed. But God is greater and he can break that. What breaks that and what gets the system back in order, it's kind of like a virus, you know, when we, when we plant negative seeds, that virus spreads. But the opposite is true. If we stop planting those negative seeds and start planting what the Word of God says, then through that systematic procedure, God will bring you a harvest. I know this is an extremely simple message here, but you know what? I think it's one that challenges us the most. The other thing is, is that we forget that sowing seed is in light of eternity. It's not just in the temporal arena right here. It gets lost, but that you're sowing seeds for people in the future. You're sowing seeds... You may have loved ones that don't know Christ today, and if you go around moaning and complaining about how life's awful, what kind of example is that to them? What kind of example? But if you don't start the process of changing your words over your environments, if you're sowing those seeds, you realize you're going to keep repeating them over and over and over and over again? That's my definition of, of repeating the same thing over and over and over again and expecting a different outcome, there's a word for that. It's called insanity. I, my prayer today, and I, man, I pray if I could just open up your brains and just pour this in today. This, is, this is, is, is understand that God works through systems. He works through structures from the foundation of the world. And when God speaks a word in his word or to you, it is wise to plant that seed. Some of you may be in a job situation or, or, or a work environment, and you say, well, you know what? Uh, I don't like my work environment. I don't like my boss. But if you sow good seeds toward that boss, God will open up good outcomes for you, and either the boss repents or he'll move you out. Some of you want a new home, but you don't take care of the apartment that you have, and you're asking God for a new home. God, I want a new home. How are you doing with your current home? How are you doing with your apartment? Well, Act like you own it, even if you don't, and God will give you a home that you will have. Are you, are you with me on this? You need to steward with where you're at. Be like the woman, Elisha, with Elisha. She had this much, but what she did with this much is she sowed it properly, and she reaped an unbelievable harvest. This is an absolute spiritual law. If you sow it, you will reap it. You say, well, all right, Kibby, that makes sense, but if we all got what we deserve, we'd all be in hell. True, that's why it's under grace. Are you, are you with me? The law of reaping and sowing under grace because Jesus was our miracle. Jesus was the seed sown. The seed has to die for a harvest to yield, correct? We are sons and daughters of his seed. 
He's the financial miracle. Now let's build the kingdom of God. That's the systematic approach. Are you getting me? Are you getting this? But we live for ourselves and our problems. And what I'm saying is we need to get outside of ourselves. You want to have friends, start evangelizing people. Start telling them about the goodness of Jesus instead of the the vastness of your problems. Hello? See, God's good all the time. We just don't speak it. (laughs) I'm telling you, I've had moments where I'm the worst offender. God gives grace for our slip-ups, our mishaps. But I'm going to tell you, he tries to shake our foundations. When it comes to this stuff, you will reap that harvest. My, my hope for all of you is that it's good outcomes. All right. Here's, here's the reason why the law works. Genesis 8.22 says this. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. Key question, what are you doing then? If that's true, which it is, what are you doing to prepare the harvest? There was a preacher I heard uh, years ago, a uh, famous, famous preacher. Uh, their, their ministry was expanding. And he came to God with a problem and said, Lord, I mean, really, at this point, uh, it, we, need, we need to be in and out of airports faster he felt impressed. God's word to him was, you need to believe me for an airplane. Now, I know people have misconceptions about that, and, and I don't, that's not the point. The point is, is that it, for that ministry at that time, at that season, God spoke that word to him and confirmed it because he later got his airplane. Here's, here's the point, though. Here's the point. Before he got the airplane, the Lord was very clear to him and said, where's your hangar? I don't have one. Maybe you need to go get your hangar first, and then the airplane will come. Sometimes we have to. Sometimes we have to. I'm not saying God's going to ask you to go out and buy an airplane. (laughs) But he's birthed something in each and every one of you. Not only is God's word what's in here, his purpose, plan, and provision for your life will be spoken directly to you. How many understand that God can speak directly to you, that each of you have purpose that's different from each other? Each of you have different, I could never sing like Nikki and our wonderful worship leaders. You would not, nobody would be here today if I had to sing. Are you guys sweating? I'm a little hot. Maybe it's just the Holy Spirit heat, you know? But each of us have different gifts and talents and and. If we're not sowing that seed, if God, if we don't listen to what he's speaking to each of your hearts, if you don't do that, then the inactivity is also a seed, okay? You're sowing seeds constantly. You say, well, I I don't get that. No, if you're not sowing the word of God, you're sowing something else. This is foundational. People say, well, I just don't want to go to church. Well, you know, or here's one I get as a pastor. Well, Pastor Ryan, you know, I'm just not feeling God. Just not feeling God. So like the doctor, <laughs> the doctor comes in and says, okay, uh, well, are, are you spending time with God? Well, I talk to him at dinner and we pray. Are you reading the word? Well, a little, once a month. Are you going to church? Yeah. Christmas and Easter. Now, I'm not saying that, guys. I'm... My heart, I'm a grace pastor. I'm not, this isn't to beat you up. 
But we have to look at the seeds that we're sowing. You know, if, you don't, if you're just inactive, you're going to feed that monster spiritually. If you're, if you're not green and growing, what's the old saying? You become ripe and rotten. But with Christ, when you sow the, the, the seed principle, the seed principle will work. And here's the, the paradigm. I've seen so many ditches. I'm, I'm, I'm a firm believer. Somebody said, somebody said uh, you know, are you one of those type of people? Are you a prosperity guide? I asked them to de- uh, define that. What does that mean? And they presented a case that wasn't exactly what I know to be true. I said, well, if you mean here's lack, anything above that, I'm prospering. If you're in lack, you have every right in any arena. If you're lacking friends, you have every right to have friends. Amen? I'm lacking friends, Pastor Ryan. Great. If you have a need, sow a seed. How do you do that? I got to ask somebody and I got to be friendly. Amazing, astonishing. You know, Pastor Ryan, people just are really unforgiving towards me. Well, maybe I should sow forgiveness. Break the cycle. Are you with me? Break it. Because you're you're either doing one or the other. Well, Ryan, uh, medically speaking, I'm hurting right now. And this is a tough one because sometimes we look at God and go, God, we need you to miraculously intervene. How many, can we be real? Sometimes the, the choices we make with our food or whatever, sometimes if I'm eating sugar all day, can we be real? I mean, we do have to change our diet sometimes. I'm not trying to step on any toes. I'm not trying to be mean, right? But we do have to make changes. If God says to make changes, we have to make changes. We're sowing seeds. And, 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 and this is hard because, because if you're like me, I don't want to cultivate that seed. I don't want to work that seed. I don't want to plant that seed. And you know what? You have to. You have to tend that seed. You can't just, okay, I spoke the word of God over my finances one time and that's it. Systematic watering. Systematic. God sets up a partnership with you. So I asked you that question. If God gave you what you needed today, how would you use it or accomplish it? I had a a friend of mine. He was contemplating a job change. He said, uh, I'm contemplating this jobs change, and I asked him the question. I said, why? Why? And he said, wow, it'd be great. I could be in the Bahamas and, you know, make lots of money and all that. And I said, okay, great. Let's say you get all that. Then what? Well, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'll go snorkeling. Great. Then what? Well, I don't know. Uh, Maybe I'll make more investments great. Then what? (laughs) And I said, so let me get this straight. You'd retire, you'd live in the Bahamas, and then what? He didn't have a vision of what he would do with the provision that God was going to give him. Why? Because it wasn't God's vision for him. And he came to that conclusion on his own. Today, he's in a job that he dearly loves. He has purpose, and he's not doing it for his own pleasures. He's doing it for the glory of Jesus Christ. He's in his sweet spot. But he had to say no to a life that wasn't filled with purpose so he could say yes to a God who had purpose for his life. And now he's thriving in it. 
And so I think oftentimes, uh, as we're looking at the situations that we face in life, here's a few of, the, here's a few of them. If you, it says in the Word, if you sow righteousness, you will reap. It says this, if you sow righteousness, you'll reap a sure reward. The Bible calls bitterness a root. It has to be extracted. How does a root of bitterness get in there? It's a root. A seed had to be planted, correct? The Bible says you've got to extract that. Once you extract that, then you replace that by sowing seeds of grace. Amen? I know this is a simple message for a lot of you, and many of you have heard this before, but I'm going to tell you, a man's harvest in life, if that's true, under grace, depends entirely on what you sow. Ladies and gentlemen, can I propose that we need to start sowing the word of God in every aspect of our life, wherever you lack. If you are a mean, honorary person, you have got to start sowing seeds of grace and love and peace, even if your emotions don't feel like it. Hallelujah. If the offering terrifies you, been there before, we have to do it God's way, right? But I don't want to. Remember what I said, if you're not sowing a seed for the kingdom of God, you're still sowing a seed. Amen? Give and it will be given back in fuller measure. So tips to change these things. You want to change wherever it is you lack to, to set up that system. You need to change the atmosphere. As I mentioned, you sell the car. If, if your car is, um, you want a new car and you're in debt. My father-in-law is a car salesman. A uh, little plug for you, Jerry. But, but uh, <laughs> let's say, and Hope and I, uh, we, we understood this. When we were in debt, we were first sowing the seeds and learning how to live God's word, uh, I was in debt up to my eyeballs. In fact, I called Jerry uh, when I was first married to his daughter. I said, man, I got this mountain of debt. I don't, you know, we had to downside some things. So uh, it was amazing. I started sowing. I started giving tithes and offerings to the Lord. And what happened systematically, and I want to keep, I keep saying systematically, is that God began to give increase. It ferreted out as I began to sow good seeds financially it was amazing. The poor choices I made with my money, like going to Oneida Casino and dropping four grand into the uh, slot machines. And what happens is when you sow a seed for God, he'll extract the roots of the other bad seed out of your life. So for instance, I'm sowing this seed in the offering. It was amazing how I didn't spend my money on ridiculous, stupid things that I never needed and really didn't want. If I sow a seed of friendliness... People will hurt you at times, but the overall reaping of that is that God will bring a harvest to your life. I mean, I, I don't like the realist, unrealistic picture that sometimes gets painted. If you're a pastor and you preach about giving, do you know that there's times where your finances get attacked sometimes, even though you're a tither and a giver? Can we be real? But the promises of God are yes and amen. And you know what? We've always been the head, not the tail. This principle isn't a finance message. I, I'm asking you to honestly look, let the Holy Spirit deal with you on this. What is the area of lack? And plant a seed. And it doesn't, if you've ever worked with people, you understand that people, unless they have a Damascus Road experience like the Apostle Paul, isn't it true that people 
kind of change as a process. Aren't we all processes? We have to water that. We have to fertilize that. We have to cultivate that. And I think what often we do is, if you're like me sometimes, you plant the seed, then you want to just get in there and till it up and kind of see if it's all working. And, oh, hey, God, you know, hey. It's like the little boy with the, uh, the little science projects when we'd have in school. You'd have, you'd have these little styrofoam cups, and you'd put the little dirt in there, and you'd put the little seed down in there, and there's three cups right here, and one of them starts growing after watering it for like two weeks, and all the kids are looking at it like this, going, oh, is it going to grow? Is it going to grow? And then this one here, not quite as much because they forgot to put a little bit of that plant food in there, and then this one over here just kind of sits there and never grows. That's because little Johnny's come by, and he's like tilled up the soil and hasn't watered it. And I mean, it's that simple, guys. The promise... And the provision, the provision was afforded you on the cross 2,000 years ago. The promise was fulfilled through Jesus for every area of lack. There's so many in your marriage. This is an amazing principle. It is amazing how much time I tell my wife, you're the most beautiful, you're the princess of the princesses. You're the most beautiful woman on the face of the planet. You know what's amazing? I become Hercules. I, I am like I am her Adonis, you know? You know why? Because I'm sowing seeds of love. And I'll tell you, when she has bad breath in the morning, and I'm sorry, Jerry, occasionally she does. When I sow that seed systematically, now, do we fight? Absolutely. But the norm is I'm planting seed. Are you getting this? I'm sowing seeds of grace. I'm sowing seeds of love. I'm sowing these seeds. Now, some seeds do get burned up. We're going to talk a little bit about that next week. But change the atmosphere. Get rid of the trash. Oh, the trash in our lives. You say, Pastor Ryan, I've struggled. I've struggled with this principle. You say, Ryan, I, I don't know what to do because I seem like I have been going around this mountain, going around this mountain, going around this mountain for far too long. I want to take you all the way back to the garden. Let's go all the way back as we close. Here's Adam. He has dominion. He has authority. And he has a seed. God's word was clear. I want you to extend the garden. I want you to tend it. I want you to keep the snakes out. But God, I messed up. I ate the apple. That's okay. I've got Jesus. <laughs> Here's Jesus. He's planted. Adam, I want you to go and tend the garden. I want you to extend. The Garden of Eden represents the kingdom of God. And he is asking you to extend the kingdom of God to people. I want you to live in light of eternity. I want you to think of an eternal mindset. A man's harvest in life depends entirely on what he sows. The seeds that you sow are not about you. It's about the kingdom of God. The whole thing that Jesus said was about the kingdom of God. It, frankly, is not about you. Well, that offends me. The truth is, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about the kingdom of God, and it's about Jesus and what he has done for us. How many want to have a better outcome? The first step is to plant that seed. I want to challenge you. But I want to ask the question, 
This is fundamental truth. You say, Pastor Ryan, I, I have been kind of playing around with God because I've been viewing life through the lens of me, myself, and I. I've been looking at, really, the seeds that I've been sowing are all about self and convenience and comfort. It's all, it, it really is. I mean, now you have to be honest about this. I've actually looked at God as my cosmic butler, my genie, and, and I only go to him when I need something. I need that divine miracle all the time. I'm living in that, in that constant state of God supernaturally intervene. God supernaturally intervene. And, and you're honestly using him as your cosmic butler. I mean, I'm asking you to really take a look at this. When God is saying, I've given you seed, you're saying, God, why aren't you moving? And he says, I'm asking you to move. I'm asking you to plant a seed. In every area of lack, he's asking you to plant the word of God into your life. It is a foundational principle. But you say, honestly, you, now this is not for everybody, but this is for somebody. You say, I have been living in constant crisis because I'm always looking God as my, to God as my bailout instead of working in a partnership with him to sow systems of godliness that would advance the kingdom. Father in heaven, I ask that you do a Holy Spirit surgery on these areas. And I'm believing for a huge harvest that suddenly people will get inspired to advance the kingdom of God and they'll start telling people about what God's doing, that through their humility, they'll, through their weakness where, where they were missing it, that they'll tell their friends and go, oh my gosh, I saw this about myself, I didn't see this, but God said, plant my word, and I started doing these things, and, and I'm starting to receive increase in whatever area of lack that I have. It's not a finance message, it's a kingdom of God message. And Lord, I ask you right now to break any of those seeds of doubt we all face it, but the more we sow doubt, the more we'll reap it. I ask God that we feed on your word and that people begin to have ears to hear what you're asking each person in this room to do. And thank you, God, that we're all so different and we all have different purpose. And I consider it done in the precious name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Do you receive that seed? Amen.